Hello and welcome to episode 293 of section 138. I'm your host, Mark Colley, as always, joined by Brayson, and it looks like until the 10th or 11th inning of today's game that we had a series we could get excited about, and then it all fell apart for the Blue Jays. Uh, they fail to capitalize in the ninth inning, they give up a ton of runs in the 11th inning, and they end up losing this series to Cleveland. Meanwhile, there's huge movement in the wildcard race. The Blue Jays are no longer in competition against the Seattle Mariners. They're now up against the Texas Rangers and the Houston Astros, who are now the two teams from the AL West that are in the wildcard hunt. Lots of things have changed and a disappointing weekend for the Blue Jays. Bryson, how are you? I'm doing good, Mark. But uh, yeah, I can't say we haven't seen this before, unfortunately, uh, this season. I mean, this was by far a very one of another frustrating series and of course a series where you look back on it now uh that they should have had at least two out of three unfortunately and uh especially today i think in the third game that was definitely the worst way uh, or the worst game of the series and probably the worst way to end the weekend just because it felt like they had multiple opportunities to win this game starting in the ninth inning and of course you had the tenth inning as well uh when there was a chance on that and then Nothing came of it, and of course, the 11th inning, that's kind of when things uh, went sideways uh, for the Jays, and that's when Cleveland got their lead. They had a four-run inning in the 11th inning. So that part, I think, stung the most, and then, of course, when you look at it, and like you've been talking about, the movement throughout the AL West and the wild card, how that's kind of connecting with each other, and then when you look at it now, the Blue Jays currently, as of Sunday night of August 27th, currently two and a half games back out of a, uh, that third wild card spot. So things exactly didn't exactly go as planned. Uh, there's been lots of talk again about this team, you know, wanting to finally get going, wanting to finally get going. And uh, here we are in terms of still nothing happening in terms of the actual results from that. So it's kind of, it just feels like right now they're beating a dead horse in terms of the urgency and everything. Like these have been conversations that have been happening since June and uh, we're at the point now, we're at the end of August, and they are slowly starting to run out of time here um, if they can't really get this going, unfortunately. Yeah, the clock is ticking, and there's not much time left for the Blue Jays to get going and make up ground. And let's be clear, like it's not a lot of ground that they need to make up at this point. They are currently two and a half games back in the wildcard race. But the problem is that Seattle is on a tear Texas isn't going to be on this slide for long. Like, they're 1-9 in their last 10, but you can bet they're a better team than that on the aggregate. Like, they need, the Blue Jays need to get things going. They cannot rely on other teams to mess up. These are series they need to win, especially these series that they are playing right now against Cleveland, against Washington. They've got a series against Oakland. These are easy so-called series. These are series that they should be winning, games that they need to take. They need to do well over this stretch to build up ground to take back that wildcard spot. These are really important games. And to see them drop a game like today, I think, is the ultimate frustration. And I know there's been a lot of games this season that kind of encapsulate the frustrations with this team. I don't think this game was one of them. I think some of the things we saw in this game were kind of out of character for the Jays, to be honest. I mean, they hit three home runs, including 
a couple big home runs. I mean, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. went deep alongside George Springer and David Schneider. Uh, so that was a pleasant change. They had, at times, some clutch hitting. They were down early, and then they came back and took the lead. Um, but I think like the ultimate frustration today was the bottom of the ninth inning, and Danny Jansen gets that leadoff double, and then Kevin Biggio... Bunts, but bunts to the wrong side and bunts down the first baseline instead of the third baseline. And Danny Jansen is thrown out trying to advance, and that basically was the entire game for the Blue Jays. Of course, it fell apart in the 11th inning, but that moment right there was a moment where they could have won the game, and instead, in my mind, they lost it there. So yeah, I think, I guess my question to you, like, is this the most frustrating game of the season? Is this the worst game of the 2023 season? Like, I'm sure there are, other games that come close, but I can't think of anything right now. This is a really strong candidate in my mind for the worst game of the season, just because of everything else that is going on at the same time. The wild card race, the Mariners are surging, the Blue Jays are playing the team they need to beat. All these things combine to paint a picture of a team that is very much struggling and, in my mind, the worst loss of the season. Yeah, it's definitely uh, it's definitely up there, and unfortunately, there's been I guess just a lot of cases this year where there's been a lot of games that you can kind of put in that category. It's a long list. <laughs> as, exactly, it is a long list, and I mean, for me, it's probably recency bias because I was there for one of them. Another game that comes to mind for me was Game Two between the Blue Jays and Dodgers um, back at the end of July when they blew that lead in the ninth inning. That was definitely one of the worst losses of the season as well in terms of a game that they had in the bag. It felt like, and of course, by the scoreboard, they did have that in the bag. But I mean, in this game as well, it's it's right up there, if not the most uh, frustrating part of the or frustrating loss of the season. Of course, like you said, multiple opportunities in the ninth inning to do it, and it's just it it gets to the fact where they put themselves in positions to win. They they're very good at that part um, in terms of setting themselves up for what could be a very good inning or a very good finish. And then, of course, when the I guess when the moment becomes, you know, when it becomes very important and just all the factors and everything like that, they find a way to mess it up. And you talk about the bottom of the ninth inning today, you know, the whole bunt thing, um, that definitely was, of course, part of the frustration. You know, I think, you know, as much as people want maybe the Blue Jays to play more small ball uh, than they usually do, I think a factor of that, of course, is that they don't do it often. So, in the rare case where they do call for it, um, it doesn't feel like they're exactly prepared for it. And when they do, it just they don't they don't execute um, enough, I think, successfully. And you know that could be a whole bunch of things in terms of the players just you know not po- properly bunting, maybe I don't know, not working on it enough. I don't know what the whole mindset is there behind the scenes like that. But um, unfortunately, when the I guess in the the minimal times this year where they have, they have been called to play small ball. It has never worked out for those reasons, probably because they don't do it enough. Uh, And that's, I guess, an opinion that some people have. You know, another thing that bothers me was probably the the at-bat right after that was Santiago Espinal batting. I mean, it's a 3-0 count. Um, I don't necessarily blame him solely for this because, of course, I'm sure he's looking in the dugout and they're telling him. But, like, for me, I, I have a very hard time backing up that backing up the feeling or the idea that he has a green light uh, on a 3-0 count. Um, And especially in the position of the game that they were in, it just, for me, it felt like in that situation, as the ninth hole hitter, um, or I guess he was filling in at the one spot, but as somebody who doesn't play every day, you shouldn't be having 
a green light opportunity on a 3-0 count. And, of course, he swung up all four, or at least it was a borderline call. And then after that, there was a double play. And then there's the whole conversation of if they should have started the runner, which was which was Kevin Biggio in that situation, um, on a 3-2 count. And, of course, they didn't do that in that case. For me, I don't, you know, I'm not necessarily mad at that part. It's just, I look at the little things that happened before that. Of course, you talked about the bunt there, wasting that leadoff double by uh, Danny Jansen. And then, of course, the at-bat I'm talking about is, you know, in in the case with all due respect to Santiago Espinal, I don't think he should be having those decisions to swing 3-0 in a, or have the green light on a 3-0 count, especially in the situation that the game was in. These were all games that they, they or at least this game, of, of course, especially today, they were in prime possession to win the game. And then, of course, if, even if you want to go to the 10th inning of how things started off, in, started off in the top of the 10th, they held Cleveland to zero runs in the top of the 10th. It was a great job on that part. I mean, we all know the extra innings rule. It's very, you know, in those situations when you do hold the other team to zero runs, that is massive uh, in terms of the advantage you have, especially as the home team, because, of course, you're going second. So that I think that part was definitely looked up. Um, that was a highlight. Of course, Jimmy Garcia was one of the guys who was a main factor in that. Jordan Romano was pitching very early. He came in on in the eighth inning. And then they can't take advantage of that opportunity the next inning in terms of the bottom of the 10th. All you need is the one run uh, because you held Cleveland to zero. And then, of course, you followed up with zero. And then it was only a matter of time before Cleveland was eventually going to get to it. And that's what happened uh, in the top of the 11th. I'm not blaming Jay Jackson for what happened. I think he was definitely in a tough situation to begin with. But those are just little things that if they executed earlier, they probably would never have gotten to that point. And I think that's just and one of the highlights I have. Oh. Like, I, I don't think it's a position Jay Jackson should be in in the first place. Like, this is his first game back yes. from yeah. the minors. It is. And so that's exact, That's another factor that you want to, I guess, accumulate to that. So it just it was a disaster in terms of the opportunities they had and how on, on the direction it was going. Um, and again, it's just it's the way to end off the weekend like that. And I mean... It's just you see these teams go on the runs like you talked about in terms of the AOS slash the AOL wildcard race. I mean, nobody, I don't think anybody had an idea that Seattle was even going to be have a chance to, I guess, go back and lead that division, let alone a wild card spot where they were never really out of it at all throughout the year. They just caught fire at the right time. And honestly, they caught fire and everything they're doing is what. I guess we're hoping that the Blue Jays do in terms of catching fire and pretty much being unbeatable right now. I mean, I get it. They're on an easy point of their schedule, but if you want to compare it, they're taking advantage of these games that they have against these teams at the bottom of the standings and they're, they're crushing these teams. I mean, you look at what they did today. Again, they, I think it was almost 15 runs they scored, or it was at some point throughout the weekend, they were just beating up uh, on pitching all weekend long. And I mean, you talked about it right off the top. This is now probably one of the easiest stretches the Blue Jays have in this schedule. It started off, of course, with Cleveland this weekend, who was also under 500, uh, regardless if they are you know, not as bad as the other teams that they're going to be facing. The Washington Nationals are next. The Colorado Rockies are next. And then after that, you have the Oakland Athletics and then the, uh, the Kansas City Royals. Before you, um, pretty much before you end off, and that's going to be around the middle of September before things turn um, back to competitive matchups. So this is a stretch now that you have of, of about three weeks, and you can't be dropping games like this. And it already starts off with a series loss, and now you kind of have to try and make up for that because if you just look at it and doing the math, you know I think Buck Martinez went on Blair and Barker this past week. He said twelve and three is what they should be going on, or else the season's over. He pretty much said something around there. Um, they need to take advantage of this easy part of the schedule. They now have to make up a couple games for what happened this weekend, and maybe that starts with the sweep of the Washington Nationals. But it's just these positions that they're putting themselves in, and it's of course 
it just goes back to kind of the same problems. But I mean, if you look at today, like you were talking about, Mark, they they had power throughout the weekend. So that's part starting to come around a bit. You know, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. seems to be slowly playing better. We've talked about a guy like Dalton Varsho who's playing better. Davis Schneider's finally getting playing time and he's taking advantage of it. People are hitting home runs and we saw more of it this past weekend. And now it's just, they still can't put everything together um, when it's all said and done. So I think that's the concerning part for me. And again, you're two and a half games back. Yes, it's not a lot to make up for right now. But I mean, if you look at pretty much where things were a couple weeks ago, they were well in a playoff spot. They were pretty much at the beginning of the weekend, only one game behind. And now they they pretty much drop back a game and a half. And of course, again, they have time to make up for it. But like, if they keep doing this as this part of the, or as this stretch with the easy matchups continue, again, they're going to run out of time and it's going to come back to bite them even more each time. So that's the part that's concerning with me. And I mean, it's the start of the homestand. That's pretty much what happens this past weekend. And you drop another game that you should have had today, especially on the Sunday game. Yeah. Um, and like you say, it's not a lot of ground to make up. Like it is two and a half games and you have it's like 32 or 33 games left in the season. Like this is very doable. And I say that because a lot of people are kind of counting the Jays out right now, right? Saying they are dead, saying the season is done. And I think it's very tempting to say that at this point, but ultimately it's two and a half games with 30 games left in the season. Like you do have to put that into perspective. Three games from now, if the Blue Jays by miracle of miracles swept the Nationals and let's say, I don't know, the Astros or the Rangers got swept by whoever they're playing next, then all of a sudden, the Blue Jays are in a wild card spot. So things can change in a span of three games when you're only back by two and a half. So no, you shouldn't be counting the Jays out right now. And I think people are saying the season is dead, the season is over, are overreacting to what we're watching now, which, don't get me wrong, is incredibly frustrating. Uh, this team may not be dead, but they certainly look lifeless. And I think there's a difference there. Because if you're lifeless, you can be brought back to life. But if you're dead, I think you're dead permanently uh I think the Blue Jays still have hope to be honest maybe it's blind faith or I don't know stubbornness but I still believe this team is going to make the playoffs it just doesn't look like it right now this is not a playoff caliber team as they are playing right now and so there's still lots of time left I'm not giving up at all but it's uh incredibly frustrating to watch and I don't know We'll see what happens. There's still 30 games of baseball left. Something's got to give. Something's got to change if this team wants to make it to the playoffs because now they have two and a half games to make up and maybe more as time goes on. Um, okay, let's. I you mentioned Davis Schneider there. Let's talk about him a little bit. The playing time with this guy is. I mean, I don't understand it. Like we talked about it in our last episode, and then we go another week where he has five games off. He plays in Cincinnati. He hits a home run in Cincinnati, and then he doesn't play again for a week. He comes out against Cleveland. He hits a home run. The next game, he's finally starting again and batting fifth. He hits another home run. Like, this guy is an insane weekend, and finally, it seems like the Blue Jays are coming around to the fact that, huh, maybe this guy should be playing every day, but I don't know. I just, like, if I try to come up with reasons for why he's not playing every day, why John Schneider, why this front office would decide... Let's keep this guy on the bench. Like, I, I'm at a loss. I don't really understand why you wouldn't play him every day. Like, look, he's already got 1.1 wins above replacement. And he's been here for two weeks. He's had 40 plate appearances. Like, why would you not play this guy every day? I don't understand. The one thing I can think of is 
potentially the Blue Jays don't want teams figuring him out. I guess like they don't want him to be overexposed and all of a sudden go through a really, really dry patch. But I don't know where you are this season. Like you can't afford to be playing games like that with one of your most productive hitters. So I don't know. I don't really have an explanation for why he wouldn't be playing, getting playing time. It seems like the Blue Jays have finally figured out to play this guy who has a batting average of 525. Like took him long enough, but they seem to finally have cracked the code and hmm, maybe putting this guy at fifth in the lineup helps. Yeah, I mean, it, it. yeah, like it doesn't make sense to me also, I guess, in terms of that whole explanation on why he wasn't playing. And, you know, if what you're saying is true, Mark, who knows if it is or not. And I know you're just uh, throwing out ideas. He shouldn't have probably, you know, he probably, it, it's not exactly beneficial for him to just sit on the bench um, for that amount of time. For somebody who's still young and developing, I mean, if that was the case, the best part or the best decision for him was probably would probably be going back down to AAA. Uh, so I think that was also kind of the question is if you're keeping him up on the roster, but you're not playing him, then why is he like, what, what, what's his purpose here and why isn't he playing? And I think that's also something that you kind of look at. Um, and in comparison, I guess, you know, in the situations where, you know, I get it sometimes when there's that full lineup that they have in their infield and outfield, maybe there's not exactly a spot for him, but on the days where they did make changes, it was more Biggio or Espinal playing over a guy like David Schneider. And I mean, if you look at the last 15 days, four games in the last 15 days, and I think the other part that makes it more impressive is that when he has played now, of course, in his last handful of games, he has been taking advantage of it. He's been hitting very well. You talked about his numbers. You talked about his war. I think that's also impressive is that he's been sitting on the bench that much the last couple of weeks. And he hasn't exactly missed a beat, and he's been playing very good. I mean, as much as the results exact as a team weren't exactly great this weekend, it, it sucked. Um, he was definitely one of the the highlights of it, of course, though, from this past weekend. So he finally got his opportunity in Game 2 of the series. Uh, we all know what he did. He homered, of course, and he went 3-for-3. Three three. It was a perfect day for him um, on the Saturday game. And right away, it's just... It was so obvious, though. Like He had the one good game on the Saturday, and, of course, we knew that he was going to be in the lineup on the Sunday. It just, for me... It's, of course, that's the right decision. It just these last couple weeks of him not getting an at bat and or pretty much barely playing and playing four games in the last fifteen days. It just there's not a lot of sense behind that uh, decision or those decisions that took place. So I mean, we've seen him already in his brief time up here in terms of hitting at the bottom of the order. He let off one game and now he's kind of parked himself in the middle of the order. We'll see if he plays tomorrow night. I'm sure he will. But, I mean, he was also one of the key contributors as well from today. He goes two for four, and then, of course, two RBIs. And, I mean, his OPS, like you've been saying, is through the roof. It's over 1,400. And for a team that lacks power, he's been bringing that, of course. He's hit multiple home runs now since he joined this team, um, going back or at least pretty much the last couple of weeks um, when they were in Boston the last time. That's when he officially joined the team. So, in his brief time here, he's been contributing with the part that they've been missing in terms of power, in terms of home runs. It's just been kind of a weird start in terms of a perfect weekend in Boston. He had a couple bad games the first time they played Cleveland, which was uh, the series after. And then all of a sudden, he kind of found himself on the bench. He played one game against the Cubs series. And then from there, he, again, kind of out of rhythm in terms of a pattern of playing time. And then he finally got his opportunity this past week, and he played back-to-back days for the first time in who knows how long um, this past weekend. So... That's the good part about it. Uh, again, you just go back to the kind of the confusion as to what his purpose was on this roster if he wasn't going to play, especially somebody who was as young as he was and as somebody who was developing in the minor leagues as of a couple of months ago. Um, so I think that's the other part. 
or the I guess the main part that you kind of always go back to in terms of why was this always the reason or why was he just never playing not even consistently just the odd time in terms of getting an at bat so perhaps that problem solved now I feel like going forward he's going to find himself getting multiple opportunities especially after uh, the news today with Bo Bichette and Matt Chapman there's probably going to be a little bit more playing time as well for the next couple of days so he's going to have to take advantage of that and um, yeah like you've been talking about he was in the middle of the lineup of course the past couple of days he seems to be pretty much most comfortable there Um, I think we can pretty much go to that conclusion as well and that's probably where he fits in best as well Um, it's in terms of this lineup pretty much in the, the middle of the order so Glad he, uh, glad he took advantage of it this past week, and glad he was three for three, three for three on Saturday, and of course, um, again today two for four on Sunday. He had a great weekend. Um, he was providing lots of offense again, and that's something that this team's been missing out pretty much the entire season. Yeah, there's no way you can bench him now, right? Like he has to play tomorrow against Washington. I think there would be people trying to burn down the Rogers Center if he wasn't playing tomorrow against Washington. Like it. I don't know. It it boggles my mind. It makes no sense, Um, especially after, like, he keeps doing this. Like, he keeps coming off the bench, and he keeps hitting home runs, and he keeps producing for this team that has no one else producing. So, yeah, he's got to be playing. If he's not, there are going to be riots, uh, and I will be a part of them. Um, Okay, one of the many negatives from this series is the injuries that have started to plague the Blue Jays. So we have Eric Swanson, who's gone to the injured list. That's why Jay Jackson came up and joined the team. He's a back issue. Uh, He had to be pulled from Friday's game, I believe, or Saturday's game. Um, Bo Bichette is now day-to-day with a right quad issue, which is apparently different from the injury that sent him to the injured list. This is something that he's been nursing for a little bit, according to John Schneider, but... Today, he was taken out as a precautionary measure, and they'll be keeping tabs on it. And then Matt Chapman is going for an MRI tonight, I believe, for his finger, which continues to nag him after he dropped a weight on it in the Blue Jays' weight room. Um, this is not what the Blue Jays need right now. If things are already going badly, these injuries are only going to have them go worse. You hope that Bo Bichette is... That seems like the least serious of these injuries, I would say. Like, the way the Blue Jays framed it with being taken out as a precaution, he's already been dealing with this for a couple days. It seems like that's something that they can get away with with just a day or two off. And hey, maybe that's how Davis Schneider gets in the lineup, by putting him in Bo spot, uh, at least offensively. Um, Chapman has me a little bit more worried, especially since this is something that's been going on for about a week now. And he's going to get an MRI, which leads me to think that there is some sort of structural damage there that the Blue Jays haven't realized yet. And so that's a little bit more nerve-wracking. The Blue Jays would certainly miss him defensively. Offensively, not so much right now. He hasn't done much of anything in a little bit, although he was getting a little bit hot there before this recent injury spell popped up. And then, of course, Eric Swanson is a big blow. Thankfully, the Blue Jays have the pieces in the bullpen to overcome it especially with someone like, someone like Trevor Richards coming back recently. Um, and of course, like Jay Jackson is a guy who has shown that he can pitch very well at the major league level. So that's not, I think that's kind of lowest on my list of concerns. Uh, it definitely hurts the Blue Jays bullpen, but they have enough good guys to make up for it. Right now, offensively, offensively the Blue Jays have no good guys to make up for guys they're missing. I mean, like David Schneider is a one name who may be getting more playing time 
with two infielders day to day, but I don't know. I'm worried, especially Bo Bichette, um, even though he's day to day, like if you miss that bat in the lineup, I'm worried what it does to the Jays, especially when they're already struggling so much offensively. And the fact that they are in this part, this kind of easy part of their schedule, they should be able to overcome this. So, I mean, it's definitely, yeah, I think in terms of the Bichette thing, I just, I do find it weird because of course he was just injured um, from his, his knee and he kind of was pretty much resting for about a week before he resumed activity. So I assume this was something that kind of happened during that or kind of right after he came back, like you were talking about it, just kind of, um, it sucks in terms of the timing of it because, of, again, he had his kind of week where he or a couple of weeks where he shut things down for a bit, and then of course that you hoped that was going to give him as much time as he could to recover and come back perfectly fine. That hasn't exactly seemed to be the case. I think the original thought was that it was something to do with the knee again, and then of course it was something where it was revealed mid-game it was the quad, and then like you said afterwards it was confirmed that this was something that is totally different than what he was on the injury list for, uh, but it was something that he's been de- dealing with for a little bit now. So. I mean, I don't know. Who knows if he's going to be playing tomorrow night, but hopefully at some point in the next series he is back. Of course, the same thing goes with Chapman. But, I mean, yeah, you were you were talking about it a little bit. And, I mean, it, it is really important to note or just something. It's kind of a little bit of – it's an, it's I guess it's a little bit eye-opening just in terms of how good his season did start at the plate. I mean, he had that month of April where he was an ab- absolutely on a tear uh, in terms of what his numbers were. I think everything was completely elevated, and he was pretty much hitting anything – that you had for him. And then of course, uh, May hit, he slowed down a little bit. And then June as well, he was a, kind of a little bit mediocre. July was probably his best month since April. And then of course, in August, it's definitely been his probably numbers wise. It's been his worst, worst month of the season so far. And I mean, if you look at it, you know, batting 200, exactly a 530 OPS. I mean, that's definitely the worst that he has had in terms of the, uh, the entire season so far. So, Perhaps that finger issue is partially related to why his August numbers are not exactly at the greatest spot. Um, and, of course, it's going to be interesting to see now. Like you were talking about, it was confirmed again. He's going to have an MRI now. Um, and this was something that he already sat out multiple games with only a couple weeks ago from what happened in the weight room. So the fact that it is a reoccurring injury isn't exactly a promising piece of news either. Now it kind of you kind of wonder if this is something that of course, he has to go for an MRI, and you hope it doesn't get anything. It doesn't go any worse than that, um, as well. So that's something to keep an eye out for him. And of course, we talked about it in terms of the infield depth. Other than Davis Schneider, it's not exactly a, the greatest position that they'd be in if Chapman was out for a little bit longer um, than anticipated. So hopefully, everything's good and he's back as soon as possible. Um, and then he could ter- turn things around at the plate for sure. The Eric Swanson thing, like you were talking about as well. I mean. The amount of times that the Jays have leaned on him this season, I think there was a lot of people. A lot of people were pretty much saying of how they weren't exactly surprised that something like this happened. I think at first it was just awkward. If, you know, my initial thought at, when I first saw it was that hopefully it's something that isn't related to his arm or his elbow. And then, of course, you couldn't exactly. I mean, he wasn't exactly pointing at it. It was kind of just an awkward pitch, like what happened. And then he kind of. You know, it was a ginger walk off the mound in terms of that. And then the kind of you can put the pieces together. It was probably something to do with his back or something else, maybe in his leg or something. But uh, it turned out to be a back issue like um, like the team confirmed today. And the other good part, like you said, in terms of this team being able to probably overcome that in a good way because of how good this bullpen has been. And I mean, 
in terms of the actual team itself, in terms of all pitching since the All-Star break, they are first uh, in Major League Baseball in terms of ERA. So they're going to be okay, like you were talking about. Um, you talked about reinforcements as well. I mean, Jay Jackson, like you said, is back up now uh, for the next couple, probably for the next week uh, at least. And then we'll see what happens in terms of if he can stay on the team for the rest of the year as well because the rosters are expanding a couple spots in September. It also is going to be interesting to see uh, when exactly Chad Green's going to come back. I know he, for for the first time in terms of his rehab assignment or all season, he pitched back-to-back days this weekend, and that was kind of the last hurdle they wanted to see before he was eventually cleared to rejoin the team. So he pitched Saturday and Sunday for the Bisons today. Does, doesn't seem like there are any issues, so it shouldn't be too long until he's activated as well. Perhaps at some point next series you might see him. You might see a roster mover. Of course, they might wait until September 1st, so they don't have to send somebody down in the meantime for that. So that's also a good part in terms of reinforcements. He's going to be a major piece to this bullpen in the month of September, uh, just knowing the entire factors of where the team is and everything like that in terms of how much this team does rely on their bullpen or you know, just depend on their bullpen uh, late in games. And Eric Swanson's pretty much been that eighth inning guy. They have other guys, which is good in terms of people that can fill in in that eighth inning. There's lots of relievers that this team can pretty much attend to and, you know, rely on in late situations and high leverage situations uh, for the most part. So I think that's a good part about that as well in terms of just dealing with Eric Swanson's absence for the next couple of weeks. And then, of course, hopefully by the earliest early to mid uh, September, he is recharged and he's ready to go and he can come back as soon as he can. So yeah, I, I think I'm with you on the part that out of all these injuries, because it's kind of a reoccurring injury. Now the Chapman one is a little bit more, I guess something to, you know, keep an eye on more than the other ones in terms of Bichette. Hopefully it doesn't linger on as well too much uh, down the line with Bichette and hopefully he's in the lineup in the next coming days. And of course with Swanson, like we just mentioned. So the Chapman one definitely is also, just because it's reoccurring, he left mid-game as well. He he usually doesn't leave the game, I guess, or during the middle of a game, pretty much what we'd, we've we learned and what we know about Matt Chapman. So that's something that we're going to have to keep an eye on, and hopefully it's not too serious because, again, it just feels like if there's some sort of injury there. Um, and, of course, now that Bichette is also going to be day-to-day, it's not exactly – the infield isn't exactly in the greatest spot in terms of depth-wise and in terms of just filling in for his absence. So hopefully it's not too long. The one thing that uh, gives me hope – again on uh the Eric Swanson side of things is the fact that it we're hearing that he should be able to return after 10 days like it it's going to be a quick IL stint so that's also an encouraging piece of information about him so yeah I think like if I was ranking the severity um I don't know I go back and forth I think Chapman is one Bo is two and then Swanson is three just because of the guys who can step up and Swanson's place. Um, okay, we haven't done this in a while because there hasn't been many people to choose for it, but I want to bring back a segment we were doing towards the beginning of the year, the Sweet Relief segment. Uh, this is a segment where we present the Sweet Relief Award to the pitcher of the week or the series or whatever we choose for this. I guess it can be the last like two months since we last did this segment, so Bryson... The question I'm going to ask you is, uh, which Blue Jays reliever has 42 times his previous career innings this season? So you take all of his career innings before this season, multiply them by 42, and that's what he has this year with the Jays. Who do you think it is? Is it Eric Swanson? No. 
No, Swanson. I mean, Swanson's a, been around for years. Yeah, that's a that's a tough question. Get, like this um, is a guy who made his major league debut in 2022. He has 15 times the appearances. Is it this Bowden season. Francis? Yes, it's Francis. Bowden Francis. You got yeah. it. Yeah, I don't know. I was trying to <laughs> come up with a creative way to say. Uh, yeah, he's having a career year so far because he only had two years. But yeah, you look at his season last year, one appearance, major league debut. This season has been great for him. Yeah, I think he's kind of been this like unsung hero maybe because of, I mean, he hasn't had that many appearances. Like you compare him to guys like Swanson and Mesa and Garcia who have gone out there 55, 60 times. Like Francis is at 15 appearances, 28 innings pitched. But those 28 innings pitched have been very good. And the reason I want to give him the award this weekend is because of what he did in Saturday's, yeah, excuse me, Friday's game. I know the Blue Jays lost that one five two, but Francis had a perfect inning, struck out the side, um, and that's just kind of par for the course for what he's been doing this season. Twenty eight innings pitched, a one point nine three ERA. He's finished seven of the fifteen games he's appeared in. Um, you can get a little worried about the long ball. He's given up five home runs, uh, but he struck out twenty five, walked five. I really like what we're seeing from this guy. He can give you multiple innings. He's yet another line of defense in an already very strong bullpen. And so I think he deserves some praise. I don't think he's been getting enough praise. And what he's been doing in his rare appearances for the Blue Jays has been awesome. And I'm excited to see what this guy can do for years to come. I mean, he is 27 years old, but he's only in his second year in the majors. And so he's got lots of team control left. Uh, you know, the starting rotation picture is kind of up in the air next year and especially the year after that. So maybe it's someone the Blue Jays think about stretching out down the line if it keeps going well out of the bullpen. I don't know, but uh, I think he deserves some praise for what he's been able to do this season with the Jays and especially in this past series. Yeah, he, def- he definitely has. Um, and he's pretty much played a way into being a regular in this bullpen. Of course, if you look at one of the I guess the latest roster moves they did in terms of fixing the bullpen, it was he beat out Jay Jackson uh, in terms of one of the lat- the pretty much the last guys in that bullpen. Um, so I think that was a move where it was the corresponding move when Trevor Richards came back. Um, and then, of course, when they made that move, it was Jay Jackson that went down, and a lot of people were surprised about that. But, of course, at the same time, Bowden Francis has pretty much played his way again as a as a regular in this bullpen and that's exactly what he's been doing this far like you said uh an era well below two at 1.93 and he's had a you know the sample size is continuing to grow as well i mean it's at 15 games now what he's done and he had a decent first half as well in his six games see that was pretty much when he was going up and down and of course the second half he's at nine games now and of course it's going to grow and his era continues to be very good it's it's at 1.26 in the second half of the season so that's by far i guess how it's pretty much how it's gone for him. And of course the month of August, again, has been the month where he's been here the most uh, in terms of the sample size. So he has taken advantage of it. And of course now with a guy like Eric, Eric Swanson going down, there's going to be more times that you rely on a guy like Bowden Francis for the next couple of weeks. And of course you saw that throughout the weekend, uh, like you were talking about in terms of times where he was relied upon. Um, if you go back to Friday night, like you were talking about, he was relied upon there and it was a very good inning for him in the ninth inning uh, when he got his, when he pretty much struck out the side. So it's not the first time he's been relied on again um, in ter- in terms of the month of August. But I mean, if you talk about a guy where we were first kind of familiar with him last season, like you were talking about where he made his debut, um, he it was just the one game he went back down. And then now he has been going up and down throughout the start of the year. And he's kind of, kind of you know 
settled for now in terms of where he is in this bullpen. It's good for him. And um, as long as he keeps continues to pitch the way he's been doing, I mean, there's no reason he's going to be going anywhere. And it feels like, especially with, again with the whole rosters expanding by a couple people on September 1st, there's a spot for him probably in this bullpen uh, for the rest of the season and, and unless something changed drastically uh, from that part. So, you, you know, you like stories like that. And, of course, you know, I'm happy for him as well. And it's kind of been one of those things where I think – there's not a lot of people that have recognized this. Maybe, of course, they're not saying everybody has. There's definitely, you know, a good handful of people that have. But if you just talk about kind of one of the quiet guys on this team who's been pitching very well and performing very well, let alone just pitching in terms of everybody else on this team, he's got to be up in terms of at the top of that list right now in terms of how he's been doing uh, in his outings. I mean, you really like the stuff in, in terms of what he's been doing with the swing and miss. And he's just... You know, he's striking people out. He's He looks very comfortable. That's the one thing where maybe, you know, early on when he was going up and down all the time, he, he not necessarily every appearance he made, he looked comfortable. But for the most part, he was comfortable, even in those times where he had his opportunities early on in the season. So the fact that he settled in and he continues to be more confident, he looks more comfortable. Um, you know, he's kind of like a flexible guy now, too, in terms of where you can, you know, what you can ask from him. Like you were talking about, uh, in terms of perhaps down the road, he's kind of looked at potentially as a starter option. I mean, if you look at it right now, um, in terms of what he was asked to do throughout this past series, and if you look at even at the last road trip in Cincinnati, it was um, the game on August 20th. He pitched his three innings out of the bullpen. He did the same thing uh, in the Cubs series going back to August 11th. So they've asked him to do some bulk inning kind of relief roles. He's gotten, and then he, of course, he's done regular work where he's gone in innings. So that was also touched upon in two in terms of where this team is. If there's any a situation where they do an opener or anything like that again at some point this year, or they just need multiple innings out of a reliever. Bowden Francis is now that number one guy in terms of who you're going to rely on probably um, along him and Trevor Richards, but that's just another option that you have in this bullpen. So good for him on that part. You like to see the results that he's been doing, the performance that he's been doing. I'm glad it's been noticed now upon more the last couple of days than probably it was the last couple of weeks in terms of somebody who's silently, silently been pitching very well. And again, he has pretty much put himself in a good spot to be a part of this bullpen uh, for the rest of the season right now. Yeah, and I do want to shout out one of the guys you just mentioned there, Trevor Richards, because he also, um, I mean, he's had some rough patches lately coming back from the injured list, but he had uh, two perfect innings on Saturday to close out that game. And I know it, like, it didn't necessarily matter. It wasn't high leverage because the Jays were winning eight to three. And so they had a wide margin to play with, but um, like he's another guy who earlier this season was great, ran into a rough patch with the injury and a couple blow ups lately, but getting him back to kind of a comfortable uh, area where he can really do damage out of the bullpen is great. So shout out to him as an honorable mention um, for the two perfect innings he pitched on Saturday. And then Swanson also had a perfect inning on Friday. So that was nice to see um, before, of course, he went to the injured list on Saturday. But it is what it is. Um, okay, let's turn now to series predictions. Um, we haven't been doing so hot lately. I mean, Bryson, you've been doing well. I'll, I'll, I'll say it that way. You uh, The last series prediction we got in was Baltimore. Uh, Jacob and I said the Jays would go two and one. You're the one who is the pessimist. You went one and two, uh, and you were correct, of course. So you got a full three points from that one. Jacob and I, we both got one point. So as things stand now, you are leading the way with 62 points. I'm in second with 57 points, and Jacob is in third with 42 points. We turn now to the Nationals. Um, the Nationals aren't great. 
but they're not terrible. They're kind of in the same realm as Cleveland this season. Very similar records. Washington after today is 61 and 70. They are 7 and 3 in their last 10. So it's not going to be a pushover. And I know everyone's been talking about them compared to the Padres because the Padres and them have a little bit of a history. And now the Padres have a worse record than the Nationals, which is all to say the Nationals haven't been terrible this season. They are in the same pack of kind of mediocre teams with Cleveland. And so I don't think this is going to be a totally pushover series as many people might expect it when they see the name Nationals on the schedule. So to look at the matchups, Monday it's going to be Kevin Gosman against Josiah Gray. Gray is a 3.85 ERA. He's put together a solid season. Tuesday, it's going to be Jose Barrios and Mackenzie Gore. Gore's also had a pretty solid season, a little bit worse, 4.38. And then it's going to be Chris Bassett in the series finale on Wednesday against Patrick Corbin. Corbin, as always, has been putting up some rough numbers. He has 4.7 ERA so far this year. Um, I don't know, Bryson, you want to... Here, I'll kick this one off. Because I, I really need to make up ground. We're running out of time. Well, the Blue Jays are running out of time. I'm running out of time in the series prediction standings to make up ground. Um, okay, I think they win with Barrios on the mound. I think they win the Tuesday game against Mackenzie Gore. I'm torn on whether they lose Monday or Wednesday. Because the pitching matchup on Monday is great. Gosman and Josiah Gray. Two pretty good pitchers. Wednesday's two worst pitchers. I don't know who to bet on, Gosman or Bassett. Um, I feel like Gosman always bites you in the butt when you bet on him. I'm channeling my inner Jacob here and saying that the run support isn't there. I also think there may be a little bit of a hangover from today's game. I It could go either way. Like There could be extra motivation after losing the way they did, or it could be so deflating that they lose another game. Uh, or maybe I say they lose both and they lose a series. I'm going to go that. They lose both, they lose a series. There you go. Well, I'll keep this one simple. I think they sweep. Wow. <laughs> I got to... Where did I'm, that come gotta, from? I, I think they sweep. I, I think... Again, this doesn't change the entire scope on this team. I think, of course, we talked about this team. It's a good team who is competing for that third wild card spot or just a wild card spot at this point. Two and a half games back, um, they got to take advantage of these games. And I think, uh, I think, I hope. I mean, I hope. I don't know if they will be, but I hope they're pissed off uh, tomorrow, and I hope they come out swinging. So I like what they, I saw offensively this past weekend uh, in terms of more offense. Of course, still not taking advantage of those opportunities or at least as the amount of opportunities that they should be doing but it was a little bit better now and I'm sure again Davis Schneider who is probably going to play in all three games I hope so I think that's kind of something that you can say is likely more likely than not uh I think they sweep it's not an AL East team so you can take that part of the equation out of it and it's a team below 500 like you said as much as they had a really bad start to the year I think it was the second half where the Nationals have actually been playing better uh, and that's why they're only 10 games below 500 or at least around that kind of margin so I'll say they sweep um, I'll go different than you again it worked for me last time so the fact that you went that way in terms of negativity two out of three lo- or they lose um, two out of three I'm gonna go the complete polar opposite I think they sweep I'm really surprised I feel like this week is really out of character for us I'm normally the optimist or normally the one who's more of a realist I wouldn't say pessimist I'll say realist because that's the way the Jays 
are playing now. But uh, yeah, I guess we'll. This I, works I mean, out I, for me in the standings. You'll be picking up some real ground if it does. I hope it works out. I, I, I would gladly lose the series prediction standings if it means that the Jays sweep uh, the Nationals. We don't have anything from Jacob, uh, so we'll add that to the spreadsheet when we. Get I guarantee it. you, guarantee he'll say two out of three, and they lose the Gosman game because he loves yeah. to mention how he gets no run support. Yeah. So I, I, I he likes to be the genius there. Yeah, yeah, it'll be win Tuesday, Wednesday. Okay, well, uh, it's a new wild card race. It's a new world. Things are changing day by day, and the Blue Jays need to make up ground. They'll try to do it against the Washington Nationals. As always, thank you for joining us. You can support us, find us, do whatever you want. The link's below this episode. Check us out there. Uh, we'll catch you in three days after the Washington Nationals series with hopefully a little bit to cheer about. See you then. Could you tell where my head was at when you found me? Me and you went to hell, looked down just to find peace. Man, I thought I had everything, I was lonely. Now you're my head.